Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, February 1st, 2022, which is the day that Black Panther Wakanda Forever debuted on Disney+. Plus. In fact, Aaron, you were just mentioning you watched that this afternoon. Indeed, I did. The, again, it's another one of the movies that uh, I'm really glad that Marvel's doing this. If you go to mm -hmm. the special features, right, I guess mm -hmm. it's the version you get to select. They've got a, a little subcategory called versions. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can either watch the regular version or you can watch the IMAX expanded version that pops up, I guess, mostly during fight scenes and action sequences. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to get the IMAX version at home. You just got to go look in the little sub-menu off to the side to, to make it available to you. Oh, cool, cool, cool. I, I will do that. But while you were doing that, you were also paying attention to what was also going on in the, in the media sphere, and you wanted to talk about how there were so many streaming companies and that at some point there's got to be consolidation, there's got to be mergers, and it looks like the first one just happened, right? Yeah, well, Paramount uh, Plus, I guess, is going to be smooshed together with the Showtime mm -hmm. streaming. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got, they came up with a very clever name of Paramount Plus with Showtime, I think was the, the new moniker for it, which just rolls right off the tongue. And uh, I mean, I think they could have went with uh, Showmount. That, oh. that, that could have been very sketchy if you type that into Google. Maybe, maybe go. Paratime, I don't know. <laughs> Paratime Plus. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the, look, the thing is, is that when the, all of these media companies, they saw the, the, the land rush of mm -hmm. streaming and they all went, hey, we're huge mega corporations with five media companies under this one umbrella. Let's just put out five streaming services and we'll all be rolling in money, laughing to the bank. Maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh. And it didn't turn out like that. So now they're rethinking their strategy going, hey, maybe if we smoosh two together and make it into one thing, uh, maybe somebody will buy that instead. But the thing is, as they're getting ready to combine these two things, they're talking about all the stuff they're going to cancel in the process to make this happen. Yeah. So, I mean, is that really a great thing when when uh, these two things... I mean, it's like you, you would think you get more content, not less. Yeah, I know. You're trimming the budget, right? Isn't that what it's all about? It's the money. <sighs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just today, for example, we had the Fed trim the quarterly interest rates, but only by rather than three quarters of uh, a point, they, they went with, what, a quarter of a point. And, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, maybe they're actually going to pull off the soft landing, that even if we have a recession, it's going to be a relatively easy recession. But and, and toward that end, we just had the best January in the stock market in four years. But th at the same time, the disconnect, I'm sure you've seen the number of tech companies who've had layoffs. I mean, for example, for the month of January, 58,000 people lost their jobs in the tech sector. And all of these giant corporations, and many of them own these streaming services, they are looking over the horizon, and they don't seem necessarily convinced that there isn't a recession going to arrive, or more to the point that in order to make Wall Street happy, you know, they just have to lower headcount and reduce costs, period. 
So if you look at what Paramount and you know did with this Showtime merger, they put you know, two two pigs with lipstick on them and taped them together for the the dual lipstick pig. There we go. There we go. And uh, there's at least five jokes I can't do there because it's, it's a family show. So sure. speaking of family, uh, you know Disney. Plus leans heavily into the notion that it is a, a family streaming service and tries to be as helpful as possible. And while you were over uh, watching Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, they have their uh, what Disney calls its Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. Isn't that just the chronological MCU laid out beginning to end? It is. It is. Okay, yeah. But what's fascinating about it is where they have decided to slot Wakanda forever. What's uh, the controversy there? How far forwards or backwards did it go? As of right now, Wakanda forever, it got dropped between Moon Knight and She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And if you follow that guideline, that means that the events that we saw in Wakanda Forever happened to more than two years in the future. They are set in spring of 2025. Correct me if I'm wrong, Endgame is supposed to be happening in a couple of months, right? It was supposed to happen in 2023? Yeah, no, I can't. Unless I get in the TARDIS and fully warp all the way there, step out, check a calendar, and then come back, my brain can't do that no more. I understand. I understand. There are things I will consult and go. Okay, if you th- if you tell me that, that's true. So <laughs> exactly. If you, so if you say that it is, then that is the way it is. Okay, sure. <laughs> okay, and well, as long as people are marking the calendar, uh, and and we're talking about events that are off in the future, something that's not necessarily off in the far off future. In fact, it, it's this Monday, uh, February sixth. But the world premiere of Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is going to be held in L.A. on that day. It starts at 8 p.m. East Coast time, 5 o'clock West Coast time. And if you are one of those people who likes watching red carpet things, you can actually live stream this event next Monday. Uh, you have to go to marvel.com backslash Quantumania premiere. That's all one word, and premiere is with an E at the end. Or you can check it out on Marvel's various social channels, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch. And just so you know, uh, supposedly this red carpet live stream is going to be sponsored by a number of folks, including Marvel Snap. So if you tune in the six, you should be prepared for a number of ads related to this fast-paced virtual card battler game that Marvel is pushing these days. And while we're on the subject of, of Quantum Mania, I just want to pass along an apology to Julius M., who recently posted a one-star review over on iTunes for Marvelous Disney over something I said on last week's show, Aaron. Okay. What did, what did, you, what did you ruin? Well, <laughs> there we go. To be specific, what I did was I revealed that this upcoming Peyton Reed film has a twist ending. Which should Julius M.'s way of thinking? Oh, here's what he posted on iTunes. To say that a film that hasn't been released yet has a twist ending is a spoiler. To believe otherwise shows that you don't understand or appreciate Marvel fandom. And uh, Julius, that, that honestly wasn't my intent when I shared that particular info. But, but that said, Julius is right. I, I should have been a bit more circumspect. And I am sorry about that. And I will try to do better in the future. Anyway, more Marvel news just ahead. But as always, 
The news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Anyway, Aaron, uh, Deadline, just today, published an interview with Paul Rudd, uh, who's out, of course, doing uh, the usual rounds to promote the upcoming Ant-Man sequel. And what's kind of interesting is he talks about when Kevin Feige first approached him about the role of Scott Lang. And this tidbit kind of fascinated me. Here's the quote. My agent set up a meeting with Marvel Studios' Kevin Feige. Marvel was pretty new. They weren't even part of Disney. And original Iron Man arrives in theaters May of 2008. You know, that's formally acknowledged as the, the start of the MCO. Disney doesn't buy Marvel till August of 2009 for $4 billion. So Rudd is saying that his meeting with Kevin Feige was before Marvel was part of Disney. And the, if we're going to go split the difference in the midpoint between Iron Man's release and Disney buying Marvel, that's December of 2009. Actual physical production of this Peyton Reed movie doesn't begin till August of 2014. And, and then the Ant-Man film itself wouldn't arrive in theaters till July of the following year, 2015. So, Aaron, five years before there's any really for real film, Kevin Feige is sitting down with Paul Rudd and saying, would you maybe consider playing Scott Lang in an Ant-Man movie? Isn't that crazy? No, because uh, Paul Rudd, if you look at photographs, you'll see, simply does not age. <laughs> so they could have made this deal a decade ago. Same result. Paul Rudd looks fabulous. Uh, Paul goes on in this interview with Deadline to say that getting that job offer then was the could of someone walking up to him and saying, how would you feel about being on Dancing with the Stars? And he said... I never really thought I was one of uh, the type of actor they would offer any of those parts to. But when this idea came around, I was excited about doing something that was so out of left field. And I knew that if it were announced I was going to be in a superhero franchise, most people would say, and again, I apologize, this is a family show, so it's we're going to say, what the F? Meanwhile, over at Collider, Kevin Feige, who's also out doing the rounds, doing what he can to make sure people know that Quantumania is going to arrive in theaters February 17th, which two weeks after this episode of Mud goes live on February uh, 3rd. Uh, well, he's out talking up not just Paul Rudd as an actor, but also Scott Lang as a character and how crucial that character is to the MCU right now. Uh, Feige goes on to say, we wanted to kick off Phase 5 with Ant-Man because he's earned the position to not simply be the backup or, or the comic relief, but to take his position at the front of the podium of the MCU. From a story point of view, the fact that one of the very first things when, when Scott, in Endgame, when he managed to make it out of the quantum realm, he went looking for his daughter. You know, he's a dad. And since that's already been established, how important his family is to him, and I think that that was a point that was brought up in the very first Ant-Man movie, this is just sort of follow through on that story thread with, with what we know so far about Quantumania. By the way, Feige also had a high praise for Jonathan Majors, who made his MCU debut last year as He Who Remains in Loki, and Majors will demonstrate his range as an actor 
when he bows as Kang the Conqueror in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And as Kevin Feige warns us, Jonathan is just getting started. The amazing thing about Jonathan is he's essentially a chameleon who can take on many different personas, which is exactly what we wanted to utilize with Kang. It's fun not knowing exactly where he'll pop up and in what form. Jonathan will be a very busy man for the next few years, which is not a spoiler, right? This is definitely not a spoiler that Kang is being, well, that Jonathan Majors is playing various versions of himself. Mm -hmm. We, we, uh, hypothesized all that so definitely definitely not a spoiler just an educated guess Mm. anybody can guess right it's so hard in today's world to walk into a a film unspoiled if you think about the people who parsed the trailer and saw for the tenth of a second not only is modok in the film but it's the gentleman who played yellow jacket who's also back in modok form well let me ask you when when uh thanos won in Endgame, would you mm-hmm. consider, not Endgame, but Infinity War, mm-hmm. would you consider that a twist just in the sense of, well, oh, the good guys didn't win, didn't expect that to happen, <sighs> right? There were some wonderful cartoons done during that period of audiences walking out of Infinity War, looking like they'd been beaten with baseball bats. So, so what do you mean they didn't win? Right. Uh, but it all got us back in the theaters. Yeah, but but was it a twist? Because it, just because it wasn't expected. Uh, that that's the thing is like I don't know it, you know how much we would have to define the word twist to mm-hmm. get you uh, off of death row for the spoiler offense. Well, no, no, but... no. I mean, I guess just in the past week, I, I was watching your interaction on social media where Uh-oh. you were re- you were <laughs> responding to uh, somebody brought up the fact that Thunderbolts is actually going to be a con- continuation of Black Widow. And you were mm-hmm. mentioning, wow, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought that, you know, this was a, a continuation. But but honestly, when you look at the cast list for that film, I mean... Yeah, uh, it makes sense. You've got, you know, most of them there from the first movie that they can, you know, daughter and, and dad can bicker their way through. Well, You've yeah, got Yelena Bonov and, and, and Red Gardner. I, I Ross get, uh, was Red also Gard- in, you know, the Black Widow film as well so if Harrison mm-hmm. Ford is going to be in it that's uh, a third character that's it exactly and and then when you think about how Taskmaster Master and and Julia Louis-Dreyfus is evidently back as is as a player in this as well and it's just sort of like yeah yeah that's a lot of folks from Black Widow who are in Thunderbolt so yeah mm-hmm. I mean it's it's easy to make that jump you know, to the effect of, oh, this is really is kind of a continuation of Black Widow. It's just that you, because it wasn't called Black Widow 2 that, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, well, shoot, that was kind of obvious and staring us right in the face the whole time. Why didn't we make the connection? And, mm-hmm. and that's why, because it wasn't so obviously called Black Widow 2. And mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing that we sometimes forget about is like, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll reiterate once again, we're never going to have a, a WandaVision season 2. We're going to have like a Wanda season mm-hmm. and we might have a vision movie, but mm-hmm. not really WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We'll never get a second season. We might get Captain America, you know, for the movie and then went, you know, Bucky, the Winter Soldier solo TV show. Mm-hmm. It's going to change and permutate into whatever it needs to be to fit the moment based on mm-hmm. the story that they're telling. So, yeah, we, we can't just be basing things on generic titles anymore. We have to look deeper. 
I don't know. I get that. I do. And and it's always interesting to see the connective tissue. And, mm-hmm. and speaking of connective tissue, I don't know if you, you followed the announcement just yesterday about James Gunn sort of walking out of their initial plans for what's going to happen with the DC studios, but lots mm-hmm. of connective tissue over there, which we'll get to on the second half of today's show. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. A couple of things before we get into the DC-related news. In fact, I, I made a point of sending this video to Aaron when it popped up online because it was so extraordinary. But someone very kindly took video the night that Avengers Power of the Night debuted at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris last week. This is a projection show that is done on the side of this theme park's Tower of Terror. This nighttime show also makes use of 500 drones. And I didn't really understand going into this what you could do with 500 drones, but they do a hell of a lot, don't they, Aaron? Yeah, actually, before you had sent me the video, I had seen on Twitter a very small snippet of it, and it was the Spider-Man section. And of course, I'm spider nerd, so Mm -hmm. I was, of course, intrigued by that. And Mm -hmm. uh, I had retweeted it by saying, Spider-Man, Spider-Man does what 500 drones are programmed to do. <laughs> it doesn't okay. quite rhyme as well, and it's it doesn't quite hit the rhythms of the original, you know, mm-hmm. song. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, the look of it is absolutely amazing. And I'm going to tell you, Jim, mm-hmm. when in the full-length video that you sent me, the mm-hmm. thing that really got my wow factor going was probably one of the simplest, stupidest gags that Disney came up with, probably cost them a buck 50. It was when they project Hawkeye up onto the Tower of Terror and he pulls back his his bow and arrow and like a single firework shoots out in in the correct trajectory at the right timing where it Mm -hmm. just convinces you, Oh yeah, that cartoon Hawkeye just shot a ball of fire over an audience. That that was awesome. Totally great. It's the the timing of all of it was very good. Um, and then the effects they had the scene where you had said that uh, Captain America appears on the wall and he goes mm-hmm. to throw his shield, and then there in the sky the shield kind of hovers and and uh, everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they did so many things with the drones. We had uh, Nick. Fury's face and silhouette that ended up morphing into the shield logo. Right, right. And that, that to me, they use the drones sparingly, but very effectively. Doesn't it start off with Doctor Strange conjuring a portal, which they actually form out of the drones and yeah and that- but it's it's just like in the films because it's kind of like a little ball of fire that goes in a circle that's sparking you know mm-hmm. to, to create that trail of of sparks and they did that with the a lighting gag with the drones if you can just imagine that they're already parked in a circle 
mm-hmm. you know, just hovering there in midair. But then they kind of flicker on and off in this circular pattern, and it really creates that that look mm-hmm. like a ball of fire going in a circle with sparks trailing off the, the way that that illusion does in, in the movie. It's really quite convincing uh, mm. effect that they've got going on just by turning on the lights and on and off at, at the proper sequence of speed. It's really amazing trick. No, no, absolutely. And then, and in fact, isn't it kind of ironic that the Spider-Man, the thing that we saw, they're like, oh, I got to watch this. And, and that's the button for the show. I mean, you think the show is over, and then right. suddenly here's a, a giant Spider-Man on the side of the building whipping out a chunk of web. And it's just the right length. It, it doesn't wear out. It's welcome. I want to say it's a six or seven minute long show. Oh, it's like uh, four and a half to five, because it, it really is a, a tight, tightly uh, formed package there. Yeah. So anyway, if you get the chance, head over to YouTube and uh, check that out. Beyond that, anyone who's listened to this show knows that I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Marvel's Attorney uh, or Eternals, the Chloe Zhao movie that that was released theatrically back in November of 2000, uh, uh, 2021. Uh, that said, I have to acknowledge that according to the Nielsen service, Marvel's Eternals was the most streamed MCU movie in 2022. No, wait a minute. Hold on. Yep. It, d- for, didn't you just recently say for streaming, mm-hmm. uh, they go by minutes streamed? They do. They do. Okay, and, so, and- so that, all that means is that somebody's watched The Eternals <laughs> twice. <laughs> oh, he's hot tonight, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Try to be here all week. Thank you very much. Come on, Jim. You appreciate no, no, that. No, no, no. I, 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 I do. It's too long. It's too long of a movie. I, I do. Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. I, and, and we're just going to leave that there, folks. Okay. That 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 can't top that. Nope. Speaking of, of trying to top, I mean, face it. One of the reasons that the folks at Warner Brothers Discovery reached out to both James Gunn and Peter Safran to come over and be in charge of DC Studios is obviously Mr. Gunn has done some amazing work over for Marvel Studios when it comes to the Guardians movies. And so since this was announced three months ago, uh, fandom has been waiting to hear what these two plan to do with... Did you see what they, they actually referred to it as the DCU? The, um, the yeah. DC Comics universe. And, uh, well, wait, so uh, Detective Comics Comics universe? I, or- I, I, I was it the DCCU <laughs> or was it the DCU? Because if it's the DCU, it's it's DC Universe or Detective Comics Universe. I right. That's I, how it's like ATM machine, man. The the M in is automated teller machine machine, right? Well, so it, we we can't put put in place a, a broken uh, broken set of letters and, and stick with it. We got to get it right the first time. The world's watching. Well, it, again, it's interesting you say that because up here in New England, DCU actually stands for the Digital Credit Union. Oh sh! You remember the WWE and the WWF yes. thing? Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't tell me the credit union in your state's going to wipe out James Gunn's <laughs> entire thing. I'm thinking more to the effect of they will just nod and smile at each other because both of them, in theories, will be you know taking in a lot of cash. Toward that end, what did you think of the plan? 
I'm I'm sorry. I'm just imagining a bank teller getting angry phone calls about Batman and Robin movie right now. But go ahead. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, the the the, the Zack Snyder fans have to, to vent somewhere. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so well, for starters, I mean, again, think about it. On the MCU, we have phases: phase one, yeah. phase two, phase three. And whereas, with what these gentlemen are looking to do with DC Studios, we're starting with Chapter One: Gods and Monsters. I would say uh, I would ac- actually, instead of calling them movies or episodes, as a matter of fact, for the the TV series, mm-hmm. I would not call them episodes. I'd call them issues to tie them straight into the comics and embrace oh. that as much as possible. As a matter of fact, I in the very beginning, I was wishing that we would have called Marvelous Disney episodes, Marvelous Disney issues, issue number one, issue number two, to I- embrace our... But not, we'd have to relabel, and that would take at least an hour, and I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> Duly noted. So the plan, evidently, uh, this all gets started in 2025, and... And chapter one will last from 2025 through 2027. Mm-hmm. We're going to get two movies a year and two series over at HBO Max. And this is the start of an eight to 10 year plan. Now, did you see the stuff that's being discussed for the first year or so? Or Yeah, and, and there are a lot of people that are angry about the 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 Batman and the Robin by mm-hmm. going with, with Damien as the Robin because mm-hmm. they wanted different Robins. But I guess if you go with Damien, wouldn't that mean that the other character is old enough to be Nightwing without being in the way? It, it just I, There's so many questions. Like I think people are just throwing tomatoes to throw tomatoes. Well, yeah, I, I think probably the first thing we're going to get is an animated series. It's called Creature Commandos. Which, uh, by the way, uh, James Gunn is writing. That actually fits Disney's Star Wars template. Like, you know, we the very first thing out of the gate over there wasn't The Force Awakens. It was actually the Star Wars Rebels series, which a lot of the stuff that was introduced in that show has begun to show up in the Star Wars limited series. But at the same time, w- what's kind of interesting is that James, you know, it's just sort of like, I liked working with you. Let's work together again. I mean, for example, Viola Davis debuted as Amanda Waller in the original Suicide Squad film back in 2016. Then Gunn, after he gets booted from Disney, he writes, gets hired to write and direct the Suicide Squad, which brings back Margot Robbie's uh, version of Harley Quinn. And uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. And and Viola Davis is wonderful as Amanda Waller. I mean, Amanda Waller, you know, from the moment she got introduced in the uh, the animated series. It was it was like when Nick Fury walked on stage, as, you know, Sam Jackson walked on stage as Nick Fury. Everybody went, ah, yes, this works. And it was the same thing for her. It was just no, like, yep, that, I, that works. Keep ab- it. Absolutely. And, you and, can build a universe around that one woman. Go for it. <laughs> and that's the thing. We've got Waller, the live-action series with, with uh, Viola coming. Mm-hmm. Likewise, a, a Booster Gold show, which right. – I can't tell you the number of times my daughter has talked about the Booster Gold comics and how much she enjoys them. So the fact mm-hmm. that, that that's coming. But when Gunn talked about his long-term strategy here, here's the quote. One of our strategies is that we take our diamond characters, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, 
And we use that to help prop up other characters that people don't know, uh, like what happened with, with Guardians of, of the Galaxy in some way. We, we take teams like The Authority, who I know are just a spectacular idea for a film that has a ent- completely different take on superheroes because it's really connected to Superman. And it's about using those well-known properties to help lead them into lesser properties. So this is clearly a guy who's, who's studied at Kevin Feige's elbow. And mm. the year that all of this stuff starts to debut, at least the films, it's a little complex. It's going to be interesting to watch the DCU properties fight for the spotlight because this is 2025, Aaron. So February 14th, 2025, we get the Fantastic Four movie. Do we then, on May 2nd of 2025, we get Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, which is the first part of, uh, I want to say, the Secret War trilogy, or or, or Secret War pair. Right. Then Superman Legacy, uh, which is the film that James Gunn is writing, and my understanding is Peter Safran is really leaning on James like, you should direct this, you should direct this. Uh, That comes out July 11th. Then we get uh, Matt Reeves' Batman follow-up, Batman 2. That that arrives October 3rd of 2025. And then finally, there is a yet-to-be-named Marvel movie coming out on November 7th of that year. So that's already a pretty beefy... A year for Marvel, a lot of stuff going on. You know, the first couple of DCU films have to come out sometime. I just wish it it were in a kinder window where so many high-profile Marvel things weren't coming out. But is that year ever going to show up? Well, do you happen to remember the movie Brightburn at all? Uh, Elizabeth Banks was a mother mm-hmm. and she had a kid and he had like Superman powers, but it was oh, a horror movie. I remember this. Yes. Okay. That was written by, uh, well, Brian Gunn and Mark mm-hmm. Gunn. Yep. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, I think James Gunn was, I don't know if it was he a producer on it or something, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of guns that were, that were working on that. And it mm-hmm. was basically, what if uh, Superman was turned evil as a kid? Mm-hmm. What if he threw his temper tantrum? How would that look? And so I think that first off, James Gunn's been kind of wanting to do a Superman story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. although he got kind of some flack recently because uh, there were, you know, people been upset that uh, Henry Cavill is not mm-hmm. the Superman, yep. and James Gunn was trying to clear the air by saying. Well, Henry Cavill was never fired from being mm-hmm. Superman. It's just that there was never an offer extended to him, mm-hmm. <laughs> which doesn't sound all that great. But what he meant, what meant was at the time that I came in, mm-hmm. there was just no Superman thing that existed for him to be attached to. Yeah. Right? There there was no nothing being written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was no contract with his name on it. And... You know, we're trying to do this new thing, and that means different people, and and you know, some of some of them are going to be, I, I guess, like Jason Momoa will, will be mm-hmm. coming back as a different character. I, I think it's Lobo, mm-hmm. which, if by the way, Jim, if you were to Google Lobo right now, oh no, 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 I, it, you know, it's just like, oh, you don't even need to put makeup on; it's just Jason Momoa. <laughs> no, no right? that's uh, well, I again, I know that the Lobo from the the wonderful DC animated 
things. And and right. man, that's a great character. More uh, Jason Momoa could could do that character in his sleep. Though sure. interestingly, did you see where Dave Batista, evidently somebody f- you know floated the idea of Bane. David was like, no, I, I you know, I, I don't I, think he wants to do comic book movies right now because yeah. he's actually, you know, trying to do interesting work that that excites him mentally mm-hmm. instead of just playing dumb muscle. I mean, he made a career of playing muscle as a wrestler, right? Yeah. And right now, I think he would like if someone were to give Dave Batista a script where it's mm-hmm. like you're an emotionally broken man and you cry a lot in this film, he'd be like, I'll take it. I've never had to cry in a movie before. You know, okay. just because it's the challenge that, and nobody's seen him in that light. And it's kind of like when Robin Williams played dark and quiet and still, or, you know, whenever he was quiet and still, you're like, damn, he's scary. And he's yeah. playing the villain, right? Because you're just so used to seeing him through that hyper, hyper, hyper. Mm-hmm. And, and when he, when he was still and quiet, you're, oh God, that was frightening for me to see. Well, it's so interesting. You bring this up because something else I, I stumbled over this week. Somebody had had taken voice recordings that Tim Curry had actually done for Batman before they replaced him with with Mark Hamill. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they found the appropriate scenes that he had done the the lines for and laid in the vocals. And the thing of it is, Tim Curry's Joker was so dark and weirdly joyless, or at least in these clips that they played, that, I mean, that's the thing. Mark Hamill's take on um, on the Joker, I mean, is is genuinely scary. I mean, he's a great villain, mm-hmm. but there's, there's also great joy and humor to the character. I mean, you can actually enjoy his Joker. Though, by the way, have you seen or heard Alan Tudyk's work as the Joker on the Harley Quinn animated yes. series. Yeah. Oh. Well, Alan Tudyk, anything he does is brilliant. I mean, didn't he play a chicken for crying out loud and he probably did. should he have did. gotten an award for that. He, he, he should have. But yeah. but yes, he, he, he is an absolutely wonderful Joker as well. But that's the thing. I, on paper, Tim Curry as the Joker just said that that should have worked. And it was like, oh, that that's actually too dark. And that kind of makes me think about a, a, a Dave Batista's Bane might have been, maybe that would have been a little too dark, a little too strange. But what they've laid out here, uh, uh, James and Peter. I see a couple of things that, that are... First off, I, you can't you really can't compete with Marvel right now mm-hmm. because they're they're in mid story, right? If you're a yep. fan, you want to get to Secret Wars, you want to see Kang Dynasty. It yep. doesn't matter. You can't go head to head with it. You just can't. Yep. Even if you were to put Superman up there, but they do have Superman Legacy, July 11th. Man, they should have moved that one week forward and got a July 4th and went Truth, Justice, and the American Way. Right the the way that Superman is the most uh, American Boy Scout type character. Mm-hmm. And and if they do go that route with Superman Legacy, uh, a July 4th weekend seemed to be the most sweetest of sweet spots for that to be released in. Uh, so July 11th, I, I think they missed the mark by one week. I don't, I don't even care what's in July 4th. Okay. They, they should have gone head to head against it and, and done that. But then Batman 2, mm-hmm. October 3rd, Jim, that's, that's the Halloween month. And, uh, you know, what if they went with something that had the Scarecrow in it? Uh, right? I mean, okay. that could be the, the long Halloween could be pretty weird. 
So yeah, I think uh, James Gunn's ready to to blaze his own path. Uh, Marvel be damned, mm-hmm. you know they they don't they they're not really concerned about going head to head with anybody. Mm-hmm. They just want to do their thing, and mm-hmm. if that means you know trying to stay out of each other's way, I think that's a good strategy. I I feel like right now we live in weirdly a a golden age for themed entertainment because. Universal has been doing such good work for like 10 years that Disney has been forced to step up its game. And I would, you know, to come around, I, I, I so enjoy what Marvel Studios does. At the same time, I enjoy that they kind of force Sony to step up their game. And, and for example, the, the most recent Spider-Man movie, uh, No Way Home, or for that matter, you know, how much I'm looking forward to seeing Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse because of how much I enjoyed Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. You know, there's, there is a benefit to having a really strong, really talented you're competing with. It forces you to step up your game. Mm-hmm. And I, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, especially with, with James and Peter now in charge of, DC Studios that a they make some great stuff over there because I'd love to see a, a good Superman movie again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a while, and the Brave and the Bold. I mean, I get you know there's a lot of folks who who don't want the the Damian Wayne storyline, but that's an interesting road to go down. Yeah, I was totally not expecting that to be anywhere near that that point in timeline where Batman's got a son. But you know what? We have never seen that in live action yet. There we go. There we go. That's the, the, you and I think that. that's the, they're like, hey man, we've done Batman how many freaking times now? Yeah. How are we going to make this fresh and new? And it's like, you know what? Let's give him the kid because we've never seen Batman the dad. Yep. yep. So, so let's see that. But but again, I, I would love to have a really strong DCU studios because I would be fascinated to see what a Marvel would do if it had some serious competition. I don't think they would change their their game because you you got to do, you know, what is best for your story in in that moment and if you start knee jerk reacting to oh, what's know. going on across the street, you're you're going to lose your your way. And so I think they're if if what happens is how much money did they spend? Uh all right, guys in the bank, how much money do we got? We got <laughs> okay. more than that? Okay, All let's, right, let's use there. more than that. Okay, what now what do we do with more more money? Well, we put it up on the screen. How do we get it up on the screen? Special effects, guys, what do you need? More time. Okay, time and money, time and money. Time and money. Okay. Well, all right. Let's just see what happens going forward here. But okay. And and speaking of, of going forward, what's going on with Thirty Second Street? I, I've heard from from a number of folks who've been listening to episodes that you guys are really putting some interesting stuff out there. Yeah, I've had a few people reach out and and say, "Gosh darn it, they accidentally learned something." And I've said, <laughs> "I apologize. Won't happen again. We try and keep it light." Uh, more laughs than knowledge. No, I don't know. Um, okay. No, people People seem to be having a good time. And uh, coming up on our next episode, we talk about beauty in advertising. Jim, why would you put glue on your cornflakes? Why? 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 Oh, oh. okay. Because that... it looks pretty. It, it looks yeah. really pretty, and it looks like a little droplet of milk when they're taking the photograph. And oh, so it's... Your cheeseburger does not look like it does in the photo, does it? No, it looks like they threw the cheese from halfway across the room, and a quarter of it landed on the burger, 
and then a bun was dropped from like five feet above, bounced three times, and that's when, I, yep, that, that's perfect. Oh, wait, forgot a square to catch up. Let's just put it on top of the bun. Uh, take a picture. That's not what it looks like. That's not what it looks like. They lie to you. Anyway, beauty in advertising. It's a filthy, dirty, rotten lie. Find out why and how and all the tricks. Oh, can't 30 wait. 32nd Street of <laughs> Patreon. Thank you. All right. Very cool. And again, we, we talked about uh, that, that fun exchange between you and uh, I want to say the, a listener about uh, Thunderbolts and Black Widow. So if other folks want to keep tabs on your social media, where can they find you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go to Twitter. It is where I am most active, and you'll find me under the title at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. Jim, you're still thriving on Twitter, I see. Well, thriving. I'm there. Likewise, I, over on Instagram is Jim Hill Media. Also on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. Uh, and we also have some other podcasts here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. Uh of course, Disney Dish I do with Len Testa. I'll be recording a brand new fine-tuning with Drew Taylor later this week. We just put up a brand new Looking at Lucasfilm with Brian Gunn. But if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney, but also if you could put in a word for 32nd Street, that would be helpful. Also, if you really, really, really like what you hear here, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. And I think that's going to do it for this week. So uh, thanks again for listening, folks. And Aaron and I will be back soon.